You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Good morning, Highland family. Love you madly. Good to see you. Grace and peace to you. In the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, the name that is above all names, the sweetest name. Say it with me. The name that is above every name, Jesus. Oh, there's just life in the name, Jesus. We're here to worship you, Jesus. Oh, now I know that it's not uh, March 122, but it, uh, it sure feels like it. I'm Charlie Ramsey, my wife, Brooke and I, now some 23 years, uh, we have five children, um, you'll see a picture here in a second, oh, there they are. Beautiful like their mama. I lead what's called BSM at Baylor. Some of you know what that is. Are there, are there any Baptists in the house this morning? You don't have to be Baptist to be in the BSM at Baylor. Uh, but we are about the gospel. We are about reaching our campus. We are about reaching college students here in Central Texas. Uh, and man, we have some world changers. Oh, what a joy. I love, love what I do, love what God's called us to do. Um, pretty much we cause trouble at Baylor. That's what we do. We're praying for revival, asking God to do incredible things. I see several of you here this morning. Uh, wow, great to see you. Okay, it is a joy to be with you today, but this is a season of struggle. Um, as a friend of mine said not long ago, it's, it's almost like we've all been sent to time out. We're all being taken through this, this school of character, and we're being kind of refined through these trials. I think we can all agree that these are difficult days. The COVID pandemic has made this a time of uncertainty, struggle. Having lived in Asia for almost 20 years, uh, I'm keenly aware that this is not just an America problem. This is a global problem. On top of that, natural disasters, food shortages, acute suffering. Um, Some of us have it bad. Some of us have it even worse. Also, not only in Waco, but around the world, um, we're aware of issues of uh, of racial, racial prejudice, social injustice, systemic and personal as a people, uh, as the people of God, we are in this time of, of storms and of difficulty. And I say, thank you, Jesus, that you're in this with us. Now, personally, I've found myself in these days often feel like I need perspective, like I'm lost in a fog, like it's hard to, to find my way uh, in this path. I need a vantage that is higher than mine. I need a perspective If you're like me this morning, you're probably needing some perspective. I need a big picture that helps me make sense of things. It reminds me who God is, who I am, and where God is leading us. 
I need to see things in the right relationship. Now, as a Christian, I believe that God knows what God is doing. I trust that God is leading us, the church, and I take comfort in knowing that God is and will make all things work together for good. But increasingly in these days, my prayer has been, Lord, whatever you're doing here, I don't want to miss out on this. Please accomplish in me, accomplish in your church all that you are setting out to do in this time. Perspective. I want to talk to you about perspective. Because when things are foggy and things are hard, we need that bigger picture. And we're going to look for some perspective in God's word. Okay, I'm going to take you into a story, and from there, we're going to shape some, some thoughts that give us a sense of perspective. If you'll turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37 is what we're really looking at first. See, Jesus was traveling with his disciples, those that he had called to be apprenticed with him, to be mentored by him, and they were on the road to Jerusalem. This was a serious journey. As he explained just before that in Luke chapter 9, he says the son of man, Jesus, must suffer many things and be rejected and be killed and on the third day be raised. Now Jesus knows where he is taking them. He knows the way. In fact, I'd say he is the way. And this though is the school of discipleship. We, like those companions of Jesus, are on the road to Jerusalem. And this is the context for our story today. Just as Jesus and his disciples came into this small town, I'm telling you the story, a religious leader walks up. Maybe somebody like me or like Pastor John, a religious guy, right? Walks up to him and says, what does he say? Uh, What's, uh, what's written in the law? Hmm. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looks at him and said, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus looks at him confidently and says, what? You have answered correctly. And we know in Matthew 22, Jesus is going to say the exact same thing. He's going to remind us that those two commandments is what the entire law and the prophets hangs on. So Jesus says, hey, do this and you'll live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, he said, and uh, who is my neighbor? This is when Jesus is going to recount that story. That great Sunday school story that all of you know very, very well. But he's going to take the expected answer and turn it on its head. Are you with me? Are we ready? Okay. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell into the hands of robbers. And they stripped him. They beat him. And they left him for dead. A priest happened to be going down the road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And in the same way, a Levite, right? Those who assist the priests, like the worship team, right? They, he walks up and he goes around on the other side. But a Samaritan, 
this wrongly religioned outsider. He walks up, he sees the man, he has compassion. He went over to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his animal and brought him to an inn. He took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, which would be two days wages, all right? Real money, put it down and said to the innkeeper, take care of him. And when I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spent. Jesus looks at him and says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man? The one who showed mercy. And Jesus says, go and do the same. Perspective. Let's talk about perspective. It was a bad situation. It was a bad situation. Things did not go as anticipated. It was a desolate road. I've been on that road. I've seen it. There's nobody there. It's just curvy and winding. It's a great place if you want to mug somebody. All right? Take note of that. Okay. He is robbed ruthlessly. They strip his clothing. They take everything and they leave him as a corpse for dead. Anything that would have given an indication if this is a person of status, if this is someone where some payback might be found or some benefit, all of that's taken. It's just a body laying there. Religious people, the ones expected to do good, to respond in the right way, instead turned and did not help. And the outsider, the Samaritan, the one who the Jewish community and Jesus' day equaled, uh, in their minds, they equaled everything that was wrong, everything that was bad uh, in a community. That guy does the right thing. He has shown mercy. He has loved his neighbor as himself. Now, some of you right now are ready to say, okay, amen, I've heard this. Let's go have lunch. I got it, pastor. Uh, point one, we should, be, we should be better people. Point two, uh, I knew your religious people were a bunch of hypocrites anyway. I already knew that. Amen. Let's get out of here. Let's go to lunch. Hold on. There's more going on. There's a lot more going on. This is one of those stories that lodged with us that we get lost in and that we get found in because Jesus is the great teacher. Let's get into this for a second. When I get into this story and I start turning my mind, uh, turning around in my mind, I find myself. Sometimes I'm the victim. Sometimes I'm like, man, I, I, I see like the guy who just got ambushed. Other, other times I, I see myself as the Samaritan, as this person who, who went out of his way and on occasion, at least that one time, I did something really good. Other times, man, I feel like the beast of burden that got loaded with the person and carried uh, him over to the end. Sometimes I find myself in these different roles. But unfortunately, in this season, what I've often heard in my heart is that I have been the one too busy to help. I've not had the time, the space, the resources to respond to the people in front of me. To find perspective, I need to be honest with myself about where I am. I need to see my shortcomings and recognize that there are areas in my life where my actions are not reconciled with my faith. 
but I am on the road to Jerusalem. Like you, I'm in the school of discipleship with Jesus, and he is moving us forward. Sometimes I hear myself saying, I just don't have the margin. I I have enough to take care of already. People need to take care of themselves. Oh, but hey, stay with me now. In this story, Jesus takes what we think we're talking about and turns it on its head. See, I like to talk about boundaries of inclusion and exclusion. Who do I have to love? Who am I indebted to? Who am I obligated to? Who is going to reciprocate? But Jesus is asking a different question. Not who is my neighbor, but today, what kind of neighbor will I be? To put things in perspective, you and I don't live in fixed relational boundaries. There isn't a wall there. Every day we are meeting new people, coming into new circumstances. As good disciples, like I believe you are, God is growing us through this pandemic. He is expanding our boundaries and he is empowering us in some incredible ways in this season to become great neighbors. I see you. I believe in you. Let me show you what I mean. Now, just before Jesus told this story, verses 1 through 25 of the same chapter, the disciples had been sent out on this incredible assignment, this training mission into the villages, going out two by two. Quick show of hands. How many of you in this room have been on a mission trip before? Across town, across country across the world. This was the mission trip to end all mission trips. Incredible preaching, signs, wonders, doors opened up in hospitality. They came back, like it says in verse 17, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to your name. Jesus was so excited. I don't know about you, but I get excited when Jesus is excited. Yes, Jesus gets excited. He says, wow, I have seen Satan fall like lightning. In the midst of this incredible excitement, this great mission trip, he presses pause and he looks over at you and me and he says, hey, nevertheless, do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Perspective. You are mine. You are blessed in me beyond measure, Jesus said. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see, but did not see it. To hear what you have heard, but did not hear it. Remember something today when you're looking for perspective. First, you are known. In Christ... You are known. Your name is written in heaven. Battles rage, but the war is won. We have to have that in mind if we're going to have an accurate perspective. To find perspective, we can see that boundaries are shifting all around us. But most importantly, we have the assurance of our destination. We have the confidence of being known, our inheritance is sure. 
Now, if you're like me, when I think of the Good Samaritan story, I automatically think that it's like a ringing bell to remind me to be a do-gooder. If I would just get my act together and do something good, the world would be a better place. All right? That is not what this story is about. The story of the Good Samaritan, in case we are left wondering, Jesus kind of goes out of his way to ensure that right after this, we're given a story that addresses that completely. You know what I'm talking about? The story of the two sisters. Could it be any more clear to us? Mary and Martha. Look, Lord, I'm here serving, taking care of your needs. But my sister, she just wants to sit there next to you. Two very different responses. One who is working so hard to serve, going above and beyond. The other who is sitting there kind of intimately and attentively near Jesus' feet, drawing near, listening carefully. The Good Samaritan story is not only about doing the right thing. Anybody can do good sometimes. See, we tend to get things out of balance. We lose perspective. And even good deeds become self-serving and manipulative. We need more than an energy shot, Highland family. We need an internal transformation Martha was distracted by all the preparations that she had to make. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me here doing all the work? Tell her to help me. Martha, Jesus says, Martha, you're worried. You're upset about so many things. Only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken from her. Lord, I need perspective. Things are a mess. Storm after storm in my home, in my city, in my work, in my community. What do I do? And Jesus says, only one thing is needed. Remember, these stories are put together for us in the Gospel of Luke to show Jesus teaching his disciples like you and me, teaching us how to live. The training he was giving is not just preaching to the ends of the earth and the great mission trips. It's not about being churchy and doing daring and heroic acts of kindness and even evangelism and service and the countless little things that I know you do day in and day out. Think about this story and what Jesus is trying to teach us. Think about it from that vantage point of being trained as a disciple. One thing is needed. What is that one thing? Right after Mary and Martha, there's kind of this very clear buildup where Jesus draws his people together and says, let me teach you how to pray. Now, if you're like me, I love the Lord's Prayer. I think I pray it every day. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's a model prayer. It's a beautiful prayer. I I like to memorize. I like to chew on it. But in this pandemic, when I need perspective, I find my eyes going right below it, right below it to this very important thing where the one thing becomes abundantly clear. Verse 9, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, knock. It will be open for everyone who asks, receives, receives what? The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door will be open. What? 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 If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more 
will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit? Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Friends, not only are we known, we are not alone. We get perspective when we look at this journey, we look at these storms, and we say, I have one who is with me. Let me tell you the story, see if I can put this into perspective for you. See, we live in an interconnected world. As I mentioned earlier, I'm reading the news here, but I'm reading the news there. When we were in Asia, there was a man here in the United States who decided he was going to show those Samaritans of this time, the Muslim people, by burning their holy book, the Quran. And you know what? That made global news. It was a big deal where I lived. He didn't do it. He backed down, but somebody else lit the match. And the video caught him burning that book, and our city erupted. Now, in that city, our home equaled U.S. Embassy, we equaled USA, and we equaled Christianity, right? There weren't a lot of us in that town of either of those characteristics. And so everybody started coming towards our house. The closest thing I can describe it to you is if you've ever seen the Baylor line run, they open the floodgates and there's just this massive wave of people. Brooke and I were, it was probably around 1130 at night and we were in the upstairs window and we just saw this wave of people come down the road, packed elbow to elbow, shouting anger, We had been in tight spots before, but we knew that this could be it. This could be the day when our lives would be taken. Fear was palpable. Suffering and persecution was not new to us, but trust me when I say this was really, really bad. But we were not alone. The spirit of God came upon us as he does. And it shifted our perspective. And we began to intercede for the crowd. These were not wolves. These are sheep. Sheep without a shepherd. We prayed. We started just singing songs over the crowd as they walked past. I kept thinking, man, if they breach our wall, we're going to preach. We're going to go down preaching. It was one of those moments, you know, where you're just like, come on. Right? (sighs) The crowd didn't break the wall. They broke a wall over there. They broke a gate over here. We stood. We watched, we prayed. Later that night, we had a knock on the back door. One of our neighbors came by and he said he had locked the outside door and stood out there saying that we weren't even there trying to move the crowd away. We were instructed to keep our lights off, curtains closed. And for about a week, we were in hiding. Our neighbors, our Muslim neighbors, knock on the back door, bring us food, encourage us, check in on us. After about a week, a man came and sat on the front step. Didn't say a word, just sat there from about eight in the morning till five. At five, he knocked on the door, spoke through the door. So obviously he knew we were there. And he said, it's okay now. You can go on about your work. I was experiencing Jesus' story now, not as the religious guy or even the Samaritan caregiver, but the one who was receiving the care. 
my Muslim neighbors had been good neighbors to me. Now listen carefully here. Whether things are going tremendously well or dangerously terrible in Jesus because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can sing in every circumstance, it is well with my soul. I would endure that night again. If you gave me the option of staying in my comfortable home in Woodway or enduring that night of incredible danger with my children and my wife, I would do that again for the incredible joy of the presence of God. We are not alone. We know that our names are written in God's book of life in the indelible permanent ink of Jesus's blood. We are named, we are known. In that time of difficulty, in that storm, we were not alone. The spirit of God was with us. Now listen, church, before Jesus shines light into our hearts and and exposes this fear and this control that grips us, right? The sources of the scarcity mentality that says, sorry, neighbor, I can't love you. He reminds us that right before the story of the Good Samaritan, that we are purchased by his blood and that his disciples, right after that, we are not alone, safe and secure. We have everything we need in Christ. That changes everything. See, I want you to remember this. Everybody prays. Everybody prays. Agnostics, atheists, don't deceive yourself. To be human is to long for God. We each exist with a void that can only be filled by God. But regardless of where you are right now, whether you are a disciple and you're on the path with Jesus, right, going strong, or maybe this is one of those weeks or months or seasons where you're, you're kind of flagging and you're having trouble and struggling, right? Or maybe you came in today and you don't know Jesus. You're just kind of hearing this and checking it out. I want you to know that you cannot understand what I'm saying. You cannot understand the teaching of Jesus apart from this incredible truth. You cannot live the Christian life by thought alone without the real and increasing awareness of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, teaching you how to follow, empowering you in this journey. We are known, we are not alone. Jesus, even here, was preparing his disciples for what they would experience at Pentecost. Things that prophets and kings had longed to hear about and to see what that they were hearing and seeing. Jesus was preparing them, saying, I will be handed over and crucified, but it is good for you because you will not be alone. The last point I want to make has to do with perspective uh, in the areas of what we can do. 
We are not alone. We're empowered by him. But if we are going to grow, there are decisions and action steps that you need to make this week if you are going to continue to grow in this maturity. Think of it this way. You're on a journey with Jesus, but you're going to have to actually lift up the foot and take, the, take that step. There's no way to get to Jerusalem without lifting that foot. Okay? So the last point I want to make is this. See, we live in a world that gets things absolutely backwards. It carries us into this spiral of performance and anxiety and competition. A world says, go and do nice things and people will like you. Accomplish, perform, control, and you will find significance. This is not the gospel. This is no gospel at all. This is terrible news. In this crazy cycle, we end up where? Exhausted, dissatisfied, frustrated, alone, and abandoned. I know it because I've been there. Jesus never expects us to go off and perform for him. He does not support this crazy cycle. Go try to do good, be neighborly, and when you fail, feel guilty, carry shame, right? And then try again and paint some religion on it. No, that's not his message at all. His invitation is radically different. He supports the grace cycle. Rest in the sufficiency of my love. Out of the abundance of mercy, show mercy to others. Out of this overflow, extend generosity to others. And rest assured, rest assured, he says, when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have incurred. In the end, we find ourselves complete, united, and at home as full-fledged sons and daughters of the king. This is the grace cycle. This is what we are being trained to live in. This is why we are at church today, to be reminded we need each other to say, are you on the grace cycle? Yeah, I'm on the grace cycle. Let's keep going. Okay, abiding in Christ, being trained in this, it infuses the spirit into every area of our life where our comings and our goings now become channels of his grace. Now, right when COVID hit, man, we were locked down. Oh, like, what do we do? I think all of us took a nap for about two weeks. I know, and I did. Wow, I was so tired. I wasn't aware of how tired I was. But our church, right, Pastor John had led us into this thing called All America. And we're those early adopters. We like to jump in on stuff. So we had chosen six homes in our neighborhood to pray for. And, you know, we had heard about the COVID-20. Have you heard about the, the, the 20 pounds of COVID? Okay, never mind. Uh, we'd heard about that. So we'd get up in the morning and we would go for a walk in the neighborhood. So Brooke and I are now out of bed in the streets praying for our neighborhood. That's pretty good. Everything's it's good. But you know what else happened? We realized that instead of driving through at full speed as we walked, we started to notice things differently. We started to start to see people. We started to get names. We had this crazy idea of making cookies and, and, and a little handmade card and giving our phone number and, and kind of like that weird feeling of going up to the door. We did it and people loved it. We loved it. It's like, wow, man, it's like a mission trip to the neighborhood. This is fun. Well, and here's what is even better in the kingdom of God. This is what I don't want you to miss. Whenever we take these little baby steps in the kingdom, he adds his strength to ours. And all of a sudden, this kind of feels like this little step becomes this kind of giant leap. 
All right, not a giant leap for the, for the planet, but a giant leap for my spiritual life. And you meet people that you didn't expect to meet, like my African-American neighbor and Kenneth, who in conversation, he said, I'm trying to reach the neighborhood too. Really? You love Jesus? I love Jesus. We should, we should talk. Now, fast forward about six weeks, every Saturday, we get on a Zoom meeting and we talk about God's word. He's bringing me in to his relationship. And we're adding strength to strength as we pray for our neighborhood. And Saturday has gotten to be one of the most exciting days of the week for me. For that 40-minute Zoom. You love Zoom? Come on, show me your hands. You love Zoom meetings, don't you? Anyway, I love this Zoom meeting. I love that 40 days of praying for my neighborhood with my neighbors. I think God's training me to be a better neighbor. I think I'm going to become a neighbor. Okay, I'm almost out of time. What kind of neighbor are we going to be? You're going to become the great kind of neighbor. That's what you're going to be. Because number one, in Christ, you are known. Your destination is assured. Your name is written in the book of life. So you've got all kinds of confidence to step into this unknown situation. Second, in Christ, you are empowered to love. You're operating out of the strength of the Holy Spirit in you. It's not your resources. As we cultivate that intimacy with him, he is going to give you real and present guidance. I challenge you. I double dog dare you, as we said in elementary school, to go to work tomorrow, to go into your neighborhood tomorrow with an attitude of prayer and say, Lord, give me a name. I'm tired of talking about the pandemic. I'm tired of talking about social justice. I'm tired of talking about theology. Lord, give me a name. Make it personal. Give me a person to know where I can learn about these important vital issues as I serve with them, as I serve them, as we become brothers and sisters in Christ. Third thing this week. Remember that in Christ, these little steps of ours can be giant steps. He adds his strength to your strength. Be like a kid, y'all. Be like a kid. I don't even know what this fully means, right? And I've been studying this for a long time. Just say, Lord, give me the Holy Spirit. What do you want to do You want to show me something new? You want to teach me something new? Do it. Lord, I'm in. Let's take the risk. I'm in. I'm willing to take this baby step. Make it a giant step for your kingdom. As our families continue into this new season, it's going to be rough. I know it's rough. I want you to have perspective. Put things in perspective. Get this vantage point of a God who loves you, a God who loves his church, a God who is going to work all things for good, even this. From those worst of days where you think everything was over to those most normal and boring days of being locked in quarantine, it's the same spirit. It's the same mission. It's the same opportunity. It's the same calling. 
If you don't know our Lord, I plead with you that today would be your day. I ask, and I'll make this our closing prayer. Lord God, if anyone within the sound of my voice, they've heard these stories, they've heard these rumors of you, and they want more, would you just draw them unto yourself now? If you don't know Jesus, would you say, Lord, Lord, come to me. I'm in. I don't know what this means, but I'm in. Jesus says that if you will call upon my name, if you will believe that I am who I say I am and can do what I say I can. I gave my life on that cross for you, to bring you home, to bring you unto me, to give you a hope and a destiny. Say yes to the Lord now. For every one of us that came into this room, let us not leave here unchanged. Lord, give us our assignments. Put us on the offensive, Lord. We're stepping out into our neighborhood strong that we are not alone. We are deeply known accomplish what you alone